and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's happening everybody and welcome to this, another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I am your host this week, I am Stephen Wilson and tonight we will be talking about one of the most controversial wrestlers in the history of the sport. Yes, we're talking about the chick magnet himself, CM Punk. Now, tonight I am joined by a panel who are really willing and ready to go to talk straight edge. First is a man who I surround myself with purely as he's the kind of glad-handling, nonsensical yes-man stooge like John Laurinaitis. But he is better than his doofus brother. It's Scott McLeod. Oh, you try and talk me at the end of that, but trust me, you will you will regret that. Scott, how is things going? I'm good. I'm happy to be here to talk about Cookie Monster Punk. <laughs> yes, anybody who has suggestions of what the CM could have stood for, please message us. The social media links will come in a minute. Next. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. No worries. Next is a man who has generated more nicknames in the past year than David Starr. It's the voice of the voices who can't get a word in, Mr. Money in the Clydesdale Bank. <laughs> it's the worst in the world. It's David Hockney. Oh, you know what? I've got to applaud you for that. That was actually pretty impressive. <laughs> Dave, how's things? Yeah, very good. Ready to be um, spending the next hour now, talking about... People who listened to last week's All In show, I had a campaign to get David to an independent show in this country. Yes. Mm-hmm. We were successful this past Sunday as David went to the latest source. Yeah, Hello? wrestling right. show. Mm-hmm. David, how did you find it? It was all right. I mean, bit uh, bit uh, bit bit small for my liking, but I think it was also a bit uh, too family friendly. But you know what? I've, I can say I've been and went, and I got to see some uh, solid upcoming talent in the Scottish scene. And but for the next half hour, I'm ready to talk about Charles Montgomery Punk. What about the what about the hour after that? Uh, I'll probably just head back <laughs> to the flat. <laughs> yes. Source Wrestling returning to Mount Vernon on the 22nd of September. And rounding off her panel, she's used to dropping bath bombs instead of pipe bombs. She drinks, she smokes, so she's not quite straight edge. It's <laughs> Sarah Grief. I'm not even going to sit that. I'm definitely not straight edge. I'm sorry. Sarah, how's things? I'm doing alright, I'm doing alright. I'm quite happy that you plucked the Source shows that are coming up, so... Very happy. Yes, and I didn't even go with the, the, the line of David saying it was too small for him. Things How insert your dare in, you? Insert your innuendo How here, folks. How dare you? And, you know, you, you kept true to your intro. You basically didn't give me a chance to get a word in. <laughs> it was too small for him to be 16. I'm sitting right next to you, Scott. I'm Brooklyn Nine-Nines are in my life. Nine-Nine. <laughs> Hi Ross McLeod, how you doing? <laughs> Breaking the fourth floor here. <laughs> yes, and rounding off our panel is a man who I would shake his hand, but I know it's been so I won't do it. It's Quacky Bridget! <laughs> <laughs> Quacky, where has your hand been? Quacky, you did tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Save the last for last. <laughs> Again. I had a tweet some weeks ago asking how big my cable package was. Don't say things like this because then I'll get these kind of tweets. Quacker, where's your hand been? And don't you dare tweet that. Too late. <laughs> yes, so we are talking about CM Punk tonight. If you are listening to us for the first time, we have an extensive back catalogue bigger than said oh. cable package. <laughs> 
iTunes, on Android podcasting sites and Spotify. Uh, just search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. Like what you hear, give us a rating. Five stars. If you if it's all in, give us seven stars. Or even some penis droids, you know. Yes! <laughs> you know, <laughs> <give it. laughs> I, I feel like Dave would never appreciate Joy Ryan. David, oh, David Google, penis druids. Yeah, it's Joey Ryan reference. Yeah, I just got that. No, you don't want that in your search history. <laughs> well, he has getting his Wi-Fi installed in his new flat. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's he for sure had been. No comment. <laughs> Click is the noise of David's mouse. <laughs> that's a CM Punk reference for everybody wants to Yeah, I would have got that one. <laughs> Yes, he does it to Kevin Nash. Uh, we'll talk about that a bit later. Oh, right, let's, let's dig into it and let's talk about Mr. Punk. Uh, born Phil Brooks on the 22nd of October 1978. Now, David, independent wrestling is your thing. <laughs> well, I've just spent my first source show, so you, uh, I'm getting there. But you use you a bit about CM Punk, he was obviously he was trained by Ace Steel and he had these very early days. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a bit about his pre-independent uh, boom. You had a wee bit for us, you told us about. Yeah, I did, um, did a little bit of digging with the, the research and I found out he started in a company called Lunatic Wrestling Federation. He had a partnership with uh, an aptly named uh, guy called CM Venom. What was the tag name? Oh, it escapes me now. Um, Come on, it's obvious. The che- oh, the check magnets. Bingo. There we go. Check magnets. Yep. But uh, unfortunately, that ended on bad terms because I think his brother Mike um, was involved in a scandal where he embezzled money from the company and right. then he sort of became estranged from him, so that was a bit of a sad ending. But the thing about in his early days is this is where he first got a, got a friendship via a feud with Mr. Colt Cabana. Mm-hmm. Hi, Colt Cabana, how are you doing? <laughs> Mr. Boom Boom. Um, and Sarah, that's how he got into Ring of Honor. Yes. Uh, tell us a bit about his up that he's starting at Ring of Honor. Well, like, oh, so, well I didn't really know much about like, uh, CM Punk when he was in Ring of Honor, um, but obviously I did do my research. Um, As we all do on this show. Yeah, well, I'd hope, guys. <laughs> um, but obviously, I think what was more interesting is the fact that he started off babyface, but then it was like near enough instantly, or if not very, very quickly, turning heel. Obviously, and that's starting off that whole feud with Raven, which, in my opinion, one of the best feuds ever. Raven has some good feuds. Good feuds, less memorable matches. That's oh, yeah. my, my summary of Raven's career. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I think the, the the reason it was such a good feud because it really sort of touched on the sort of straight edge versus uh, Raven's sort of lifestyle. He was um, he liked to drink and mm-hmm. well, he said um, he quoted Raven, remained the mummy's alcoholic father. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, family's his family's a bit of a controversial issue as well because obviously Punk became estranged from not just his brother but from his dad as well and. Yeah, I think he mentioned it in his Best in the World documentary. I think he had to crash it as, on his friend's couch for a few years. He had to come live with them. But he did, uh, he ended up, t- what was weird is he ended up being in a stable with Raven and TNA. Yeah, I know, I thought that was really, really strange. The Raven, but Raven Gathering, but... When it, when it comes to like working different promotions, obviously, you can do whatever the hell you want, <laughs> like, so to speak. Like, you, like, if you're an enemy with one person in one promotion, doesn't mean that you're going to be an enemy in the other promotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the, on talking about enemies, Scott. Uh, one of the very early things about uh, you're not my enemy, by the way. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> I'm where not, are you going? I'm not implying my my enemies on the right here. In fact, no, I'm lying. The enemies there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have a lot of enemies. Uh, I've known you for eight years, so I think we're in the sort of fight forever stage right now. Never. 
Gargano Champa loser leaves the, the nursing home <laughs> David uh, would be the type of wrestler that chants this is awesome to himself <laughs> uh, back to back to the point uh, Scott uh, looking back on this story now you kind of maybe see the, the side of the story in 2004 he was in TNA he was involved in a physical scuffle with a Mr Teddy Hart Um you look, you look confused. I'm unfamiliar with this story, but I've heard Teddy Hart is a bit of an arsehole. <laughs> yeah, from what I'd seen, there was like there were scuffles, and they were saying that it was Sabu of all people to break it up. That's what I thought was, was strange. Sa- was Sabu is the voice of reason. You know, a situation's got out of hand, but but um, from what I'd seen, it was Teddy had planned like some like spots and matches that were not planned, mm-hmm. potentially putting other wrestlers in danger, and that's what got Brooks riled up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't see where he's coming from. Obviously, it's like unplanned. It's like, well, you're kind of putting me and the rest of the folk in danger. Mm-hmm. How, do, how very dare you? There was a thing about him as well. He, he was part of a controversy when he left TNA. The fact that um, this was around about the point Ring of Honor started pulling guys from TNA. Mm-hmm. Didn't want their big stars in. And vice versa. Yeah, exactly. There was kind of the following. You used to see a very early in TNA days. The Ring of Honor guys would come, and then you eventually seen the likes of some of the guys be less seen on Ring, Ring of Honor. Uh, but the, the good thing is Scott when he went to Ring of Honor, went back to Ring of Honor, he was involved with a feud with the at the time Ring of Honor world champion Wendy's favourite Samoa Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you get a lot of this in Punk's DVD, he talks about being old school and going like travelling with Tritons and the same people like he did with Colt Cabana and almost every promotion that became almost the match they had, like get these two guys here though wherever they are, what city they're in, they'll have the best match. He, he had matches with Chris Hero, went 30, 60, even 90 minutes mm-hmm. and then he went he had two 60 minute draws with Samoa Joe mm-hmm. uh, one of them I believe being the second one I think it is that was rated 5 stars yes mm-hmm. yep. I, I watched mm-hmm. that one in midway and in the last 10 minutes the commentators apparently leave the commentary desk and go sit in the crowd because they want to feel the atmosphere it's, it's, it was the first uh, 5 star rated wrestling match in 7 years up until that point the one before that the Undertaker Shawn Michaels held a cell yes exactly jinx <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but David, you talked yeah. about that when they had these matches with Samoa Joe. You think of some of the guys he was down there at Ring of Honor with mm. at that time. Samoa Joe, AJ Styles was still in there. Daniel Bryan. Yep. Uh, Nigel McGuinness. Nigel McGuinness. Mm-hmm. The Ring of Honor card was stacked at that point yeah. in time. Uh, could you imagine some of these dream matches? Well, I think it's because... Um, at, yeah, at the time, I think, because uh, TNA had a talent share agreement with Ring of Honor at the time. So having the flexibility to go cross, cross promotions, and because it was technically two companies, the... Honestly, the, the possibilities for feuds and dream matches was was unprecedented, but obviously that came to an end because of, um, I believe it's, uh, it was the, the Feinstein controversy that sort of severed ties between the two companies. If you rewind this podcast three minutes ago, you would hear me talk about this said controversy. <laughs> In true deep fashion. Yeah. Always late to the party. Memory of a goldfish. But yeah, I think if that hadn't happened, I think, um, I mean, just imagine the possibilities places could have gone, you know, maybe you could have had more talent share agreements between other companies and I feel like it's a, <coughs> as a trick that a lot of uh, promotions are missing out on. It would soon sign for WWE, but one of the things, uh, quick question for you all, uh, who did they have his WWE tryout match with? Oh, oh. oh Nigel McGuinness was one of them, was it no? Oh, on Sunday Night Heat he had a trial match on WWE. Oh, was it not uh, um, Aaron Stevens, Idol Stevens? It's not the guy I've gone down here. No, oh no, it's what? a six man tag match. No, I've got a single match here from uh, May 9th, 2005 I've... against Val Venus. Oh, uh, of course it was, yeah. Val oh, Venus. that was his uh, debut match in a dark match. Yeah. It's a six man tag. Right. In OVW. But um, the thing about that one is, Sarah, he would sign for WWE at this point. However, 
we had he was still contractually obliged to be in Ring of Honor. He was a champion as well when like that happened as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where we got what was the original summer of punk. Oh I know, right. Where he would literally bash the company saying, was, I'm taking the belt. He was the ultimate, like, sorry Quacky, the bastard. He, he signed he signed to be a contract on the Ring of Honor title as well. Yeah. Like, he came out for his Ring of Honor title to Boston Aries. Everybody knew he was leaving. They thought, oh, he's going to lose and this will be his goodbye match. Mm-hmm. But then he won the title and said, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm but, taking it with me. But how good was it? Mick Foley made Ring of Honor appearances. I know. Mm. Could you, you couldn't imagine that these days. I mean, could you imagine Triple H showing up at... Well, I mean, Madison Square Garden next year to sign Kenny Omega. Never. Well, it's well, sort of a... It would probably go backstage. Yeah, but that's a, that's a relationship. <laughs> Imagine a competitor like that. Ring yeah. of Honor was... Granted, it was still small, but now it's a competitor mm-hmm. with things like All In. And it's just amazing to it. Another quick quiz question. Who did he lose the title to? James Gibson, a.k.a. Jamie Noble. Yep. Scott, 32nd man. Christopher Daniels was in that yeah. title. Please, yeah. please yeah. don't give me that name. <laughs> title of his ex tape. No, Dave. <laughs> no, Dave. Bad Dave. Alright, then he, then he wouldn't have his official final match until he had it against Cabana, which is... Two out of three falls. Yeah, which I think was fitting. But Beautiful match. weird thing we talk, look at them. Punk, such a natural heel, as we've seen. Cabana, such a natural comedy face. How they became a team, they were a tag team. Uh, that, that, and that, how that worked, I don't know. And weird they never they always have matches they would always go place but usually it'd be like a one-off match mm-hmm. and then they'd move on to the next place but they never had a proper feud which they could have easily done with punk like getting sick of Kavanaugh's comedy stuff and wanting to be serious mm-hmm. yeah it was something they, they had an intro they, they had a good chemistry which we will talk about later on mm-hmm. of, of course, course absolutely we can't have this without Colt Cabana. Hi, Colt Cabana, how are you doing? Once more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to drop that quite a lot. The, the opportunities will come. They were the, the second city saints in TNA, weren't they? That was That was their name, yeah. yeah. Uh, Colt Cabana was in TNA, I don't think. We just yeah. mentioned the, uh, the TNA stable he with Raven. He also was in with Alexis, aka PWE, Mickey James. Yes. Great show, mm-hmm. good show on that one. Uh, but then, obviously, obviously, at this point in time, he officially moved over to WWE in 2005. Now, Sarah, he's, he was originally put in Ohio Valley Wrestling, I know, right? which was the equivalent now of NXT. Uh, I think it's fair to say he was not happy that he was put in Ohio Valley Wrestling. No, not from the looks of it. I mean, God, I mean, seeing his first match, ruptured his eardrum. Yeah, I think he was against, it was, that was against the sixth man, was it not? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, with Nigel McGuinness and Paul, Paul Burchill. Paul Burchill. The pirate. Yeah. What <laughs> people. That was something, but... but... Like, see, even though it doesn't seem like he was happy, mm-hmm. it took less than three months to become the TV champion. Mm-hmm. Like, so they clearly had some sights and some vision for him mm-hmm. to at least put the, put the TV belt on him mm-hmm. that quickly. It's almost as if there was somebody in charge who, whose guy that he was... Oh, oh, oh yeah. I wonder who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ross McLeod. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, Scott, you were very, very point in that one. Uh, he had a big backer who was booking Ohio Valley Wrestle at that point in time. We know him as the advocate for the former Universal Champion, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> if Alan was on this show, he would be so happy about that moment. I, I'd imagine him doing cartwheels right now. Some, somewhere the big, big dog's ears have pricked up, like some mentioned Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Paul Heyman was on his side and it obviously helped him. As Sarah said, he won the television championship and he would eventually become the Ohio Valley champion at, at that point in time, you know. Yeah. So, you look at some, there was 
there was, there was a, a decent amount of talent down at Ohio Wild Wrestling yeah. at that point mm-hmm. in time. So I think it was it did show they had faith in him by giving him that belt, even though there was he said in the past he had not a lot of backers. Well, it showed at least Heyman. And at least there were some people. It shows that some people were listening to Heyman at least for a while before mm-hmm. there were people constantly pressing him to like as in fire him. But then Heyman's whole point was finish him up and then fire him. Like, oh no, you, I'll finish him up when you tell me if I don't do it yourself. Don't get me to do your dirty work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, did you think uh, Paul Heyman played a big part in uh, CM Punk debuting so early on in ECW? Absolutely. I think you know he clearly, obviously, he said in his. Uh, in the past, he's a Paul Heyman guy. I think Paul Heyman really sort of looked past the the sort of standard corporate image for what a WWE superstar should look like. You know, obviously Punk, he wasn't the biggest guy around. He was about what, 220 pounds, maybe about six foot tall. And he had that sort of really sort of rough around the edges, sort of, well, dare I say it, sort of punk gothic type look. And I don't think that appealed to a wider audience. But I think Heyman, had that skill of just looking past all that and just seeing pure raw talent, not just in the ring, but um, also the commentary and the fact he could cut a good promo. But also, I think Punk himself seemed so invested in the product, you know, he would literally try and get involved as much as he could. And I think that played a part in, you know, maybe as to how successful he was in any promotion he was in. I thought his TV, his wrestling TV debut was really good because that was in the Hammerstein Ballroom mm-hmm. against Just Incredible and I think it helped build him up. What uh, a great name that is by the way, Just Incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's so, such a good play on words. I, see when I saw that I was like, holy crap, that's actually is, is it weird that I, if, when I first heard him I, I didn't realise that's what his name meant? I know, I, it's like, I was sat there looking going, it's like um, just justice almost, isn't it? No, no. It's, it's just incredible. It's literally two words in like in a name, Justin. Uh, mm. uh, it took me years to figure out that the reason the 3D was called the 3D was because it's called Dudley Death Drop. <laughs> I just thought it was just that took you three years to figure out. Well, not three years, but just one year for every D. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Scott and Sarah will be bringing out bite-sized books for all your pleasure. <laughs> uh, Sarah, what did you make of his early run in an EC, an ECW? He had quite a, it was a bit of a mixed run, I think it was fair to say. I mean, yeah, I mean. Oh, it's kind of hard to say because also this is when like he, he tried to do a promo when it like came to like his straight edge stuff, and I, I don't know if it quite came across as the as it worked. Mm-hmm. Did you get me? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's like they, they kept like the straight edge gimmick, and then they brought in like my tie and everything. I was just like, what what's going on here? Uh, I found it interesting that he entered a feud with Mike Knox about Kelly Kelly. Mm. Well, he was, I think that was during the time he was actually going out with Kelly Kelly in real life at the time. So. Was he not going out with Maria? Mike. No, he was going out with Maria. Mike Knox was going out with Kelly Kelly at the time. Mike Knox? Well, he, I, I do know Punk Hold on, hold on, hold on. Mike Knox was actually going out with Kelly Kelly? Yes. Oh, I think Punk actually went out with her as well. <laughs> Lucky guy. You know. <laughs> Did not know that. Sorry, Scott. Punk gets about. He's, <laughs> oh, he was with her, he was with Lita randomly for a while. Yeah. Who the Um You see why he was called Chick Magnet now? He's not a Chick Magnet. But uh, I think he was a good fit to debut me though, because I think Heyman had Heyman. Well, he knew what he was one of the few people who knew what to do with them. And also, Heyman has said that if ECW stuck around for a few more years, the guys who would go on to be big stars, I mean, they were like guys like a punk or Daniel Bryan, Smojo, they would have probably came ECW if it lasted a few more years. Hmm. One of the interesting things about this kind of early run was two things, obviously. One was the Survivor Series match he was in, but it was in the same team as Degeneration X. 
Oh, a few years later, that's quite a surprising one. Yeah. Uh, also, the fact that oh, there was obviously that infamous Elimination Chamber match in December to December. Mm-hmm. Infamous for so many reasons. Hard times. You know, Hard times. Uh, the big rumour, obviously, was the big push for him to win that tight title, and he was the first mm-hmm. guy eliminated. I know. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. Uh, but another thing that's kind of forgotten about in times ECW win was his. He was so involved in the feud between the ECW originals and the U Breed. Mm. <laughs> Dave, what's your memories of that? Uh, see, I remember when he actually turned heel to join the New Breed, and I thought to myself, when as soon as I saw that, okay, well, he is sort of relatively new to the sort of ECW scene. He wasn't part of the original incarnation of ECW, so putting him in the New Breed made sense. But then after he turned, after about a fort, he turned back after a fortnight because I didn't think. I think people were more interested in cheering him. You know, he was more, he was really wet, he was really, really popular with the ECW crowd. So, in true funk, fa- punk, 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 <laughs> funk, yeah. in true punk fashion, he overthrew the leader. And of course. We may hear something similar later <gasps> on the show. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's like deja vu all over again. But yeah, I think he, I think after that turn, I think, I think he sort of stayed away from the feud. He sort of just sort of became his own guy. Like it, in the build up to WrestleMania 23. He was the only, he was the sole ECW participant in the Money in the Bank ladder match, whereas the originals in the New Breed did a four on four match, and uh, I mean, I would have been curious to see his involvement with that feud, as it were, had he stayed with the New Breed, but I think trying to establish himself as his own as his own man, I think that was the best route for him to go down. Sorry, well, I remember his ECW run most for as his feud with Johnny Nitro, and that feud became John Morrison with mm-hmm. the title, which started at Vengeance when Johnny had to replace He Who Shall Not Be Named. Lord <gasps> Voldemort. Are we are we surprised it took till uh, July? Was it July? July or August time in two, two, that year that they won the belt? Yeah, it was after no, the no, he didn't actually. Uh, Nitro, we didn't win the belt originally, Nitro, but then Benny did, did eventually win the belt on an episode of East, of ECW. The thing was, he what. He would lose to Nitro yeah, at the first at one. Champions, the Bash, and SummerSlam, and then eventually win. And I think it's a shame because people didn't really buy those three wins for Nitro because because he was kind of thrust into it into a role you would eventually grow into. But if only it was the Johnny John Morrison or Johnny Mundo, what we would call of today, versus that that then CM Punk, that feud would have been amazing. See, I think with the John Morrison angle, I think the fact he went from Johnny Nitro to John Morrison because Johnny Nitro winning the ECW Championship. I, I just didn't, I wasn't feeling it because I always saw Johnny Nitro as a, just one half of Eminem and he was solely a tag team competitor so mm-hmm. seeing them win the ECW championship was just weird but then once he made the transition to John Morrison I'm thinking okay they've re-established him as a singles guy and he actually puts on pretty uh, impressive matches he's, he's got the look and the charisma of a champion so I think him getting the, the first two wins over Punk were somewhat justified if they were looking to make a new top heel on ECW but obviously, the it sort of built up to the 15-minute of fame match, which was Punk's last chance, and the fact he won it then, I think it just, um, um, I think the ends justified the means when it came to that match. So I think that was the the best course of action. The voice of the people who can't get a word then, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite happy just having them talk like that. Sarah, were you surprised that he lost to Chavo? <laughs> I mean, considering how he lost, no, but. To actual Chavo Guerrero himself, a little bit. <laughs> can I'll quickly get an opinion from you all. Can we rate Punk's time in ECW out of ten, Scott? Five. Dave. I'll give it a seven. Sarah. I'd say a six. Quacker. 
Did you watch ECW? No. <laughs> was that not on your cable package? <laughs> <laughs> and he has brought me for not watching it. You indies. walked into that. Fuck yous. <laughs> sorry, there goes the clean button. <laughs> we already did that earlier. All right, <laughs> when I said sorry. Then I'm not guilty. Ah, uh, God bless the explicit button. At least I apologised. Uh, I'm not taking the I'm taking the sorry back. But um, during it was during the latter run of his ECW time where he would pick up the first of his Money in the Bank briefcases at WrestleMania 24. Now I will briefly, <laughs> briefly, go to Mister Money in the Claysdale Bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was quite clever if I was Like I said, I'll block I had things about premium bonds in my head and I thought, no, Clydesdale Bank. Don't get too, too into the bank lingo. Was he a surprising winner of this money in the bank name? Yes and no. Was it was the no because he was in ECW? No, um, no because when Jeff Hardy was taken out, obviously because of his suspension, I'm thinking, who's the next best person to make as a top guy? And I thought to myself, it's got to be not... Jericho because I think he was too well known and he was already intercontinental champion so I figured uh, what better way to sort of solidify CM Punk's ascension to the top than give him the money in the bank briefcase but at the same time yes I was surprised because I thought they would have played it safe you know maybe uh, MVP might have got it maybe even Jericho could have got it or even Mr Kennedy for the second year in a row yeah but uh, he won it and he would eventually cash in on June the 23rd Monday Night Raw and he would have what many would class as one of the most uneventful runs in the World Championship history. Sarah, what's your thoughts on his run as the champ? I don't remember it. <laughs> I said though it sums it up. I illustrate your point there. Well, well, neither does Punk after getting kicked in the head. <laughs> it's, oh well. It's such a terrible run. I mean, he had one he had the defensive SummerSlam against JBL. Uh, and against, and against Batista at the Great American Bash as well. Batista. Yeah. But it's just... The fact that he lost it without defending the belt, it's a bit poor. I mean, one thing you can kind of say is he would have, when he, the, the rest of his year on Raw, he kind of he won every other championship. Mm-hmm. It was a Kofi Kingston at that time because yeah. Kofi did, went through that. I want to say, apparently, there were a lot of people at the time who didn't like Punk not being nope. properly pushed during that time. But he got the world title, he got the Intercontinental title, he got the tag team title, he won Money Bank again. Mm-hmm. He essentially does, like I said, a Kofi thing where the title doesn't really mean much to him, but it's someone to put it on. And yet, no one complains when it's Kofi, it's mainly because Punk was the internet guy, to be honest. <laughs> did he not nearly win the King of the Ring? He well? did, yeah. He lost yeah. to Regal in the final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been some year if he had capped all the ones off, you know. Captain Punk, but it was like King Punk's. <laughs> I'd say Captain there, though. But see, like, what on that, obviously, like, see. I remember reading and seeing that, obviously, he was, like, a Triple Crown champion. And it only took him 203 days to do it. Mm-hmm. So they clearly must have seen something in him mm-hmm. to think of that. Because obviously, like, he completely obliterated Kevin Nash's ne- uh, record. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, yeah, bastard. <laughs> there you go. Do you think they were just trying to appease to him uh, because he lost the World Heavyweight Championship in such a poor fashion? Maybe, but potentially. In but his head, it means he's the greatest. Yeah. I mean, but obviously, so a ton of fan support behind him, not just from the live crowd, but again, like you said, it's got the internet audience. They were his. Mm-hmm. He was their guy. Which potentially made what happened on SmackDown when he got drafted over a few months later. Surprising when, as Scott said, they won the Money in the Bank contract again for the second year in a row, and then he would cash in on the most popular, arguably the most popular superstar on the roster at that point, and Jeff Hardy. And that's when we got heel CM Punk for the first time in WWE, the Straight Edge Society. Oh my god. And eventually be formed. <laughs> Criminally underused uh, mm-hmm. potential there. But 
before we go into the actual society itself, on his feud with Jeff, was this arguably one of the best feuds WWE had done in a number of years? Oh yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's best feuds of their entire career. You think? Yeah, because again, much like Raven, uh, so totally opposite uh, like lifestyles. Also, one of my favourite lines of any promo was said in this feud when Punk killed a bottle of pills in a promo instead of Jeff. You clearly know a lot about prescription meds. I just don't think you know you have to go to a doctor to get some. <laughs> Ooh, that was some. Just, you could just feel the Whoops, breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> but the thing about it was um, his match with Jeff Hardy at SummerSlam in the, in the TLC match mm-hmm. was, yeah. a thing, was a thing of beauty. One of the best matches you'll probably find yeah. in the archives. Wasn't that when he was attacked by The Undertaker? Because that made it amazing. <laughs> that was the one where he attacked by The Undertaker. <laughs> His Undertaker feud. Oh. He felt sorry for him in the Undertaker feud mm. because he got fed to him. Fed to him. Oh, that was kind of the point, though. It's yeah. like, who can we feature him for this WrestleMania? On all the, on all the best. Well, it, was, it wasn't even a WrestleMania, it was in September. I know. And then the best part about that feud, though, is when Teddy Long went in the limo. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up, Teddy. Buckle up, Teddy. I mean, like, what was it as well? Like, they decided to try and do like a Montreal screw job without even doing the screw job, if you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the anaconda vice and it's like they didn't even tap out. You're it, was like, the, it was the only ever breaking point uh, pay-per-view. Thankfully. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> well, it was all submission themes that pay-per-view, wasn't it? Yeah. Because USC was so big at the time. Uh-huh. But uh, obviously he lost the title to take out and then they would eventually, this is when the straight edge society became a bigger thing. He recruited Luke Gallows, who at the time was Festus, and he recovered Festus because mm-hmm. Festus apparently had was it a, an alcohol problem or something. It was a drug. He, drug he, he had a drug for his alcohol. weird, his weird monotonic state or something. Whenever he heard the ring bell, he would just turn into a freak in the ring. But it was something he pretended himself like this Jesus-like character. You know, mm-hmm. everybody was he was the best. Yeah. He would. We start getting people coming out the crowd, and he would shave their head. We saw Serena Deep for the first time as part I know. of this as mm-hmm. well. She was criminally underused in I that I felt so well. sorry for her when they were shaving her head. I do not know if she agreed to that. I mean, one of the better things that we didn't get was they should have shaved Darren Young's head. I uh, would see, I think it's the fact that he was thinking about joining the straight edge. Like, mm. sort of, but, like, be born again or something. But they was just like, yeah, no, shite. They decided to be a shite bag and ran for it. <laughs> That's the best way to put it, it was yeah. a shite bag. Yeah, see, I thought things about the straight edge, because I, lo- I loved it. Like, it's like they said, criminally underrated. Uh, I watched that Serena thing when she came at the crowd, and you can hear people chanting, "She's a plant." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> nah, I think if I could go back and change the straight edge society, like to do it even better, I think if they could get Machine Gun Carl Anderson in there as well, or if they could have at the time, I think the potential would have gone straight up. I mean, never mind Joey Mercury joining, that's if you could get Carl Anderson I mean, in there. That's alright Dave, I wasn't done with my points, you know. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, there was... I thought you stopped talking. No, I, I had a couple of points and I took a pause. Oh. <laughs> sorry, man. I mean, Scott, get rid of next time, just do that to them. Yeah. My hand goes up your mouth. Goes. I mean... There you go. Sorry, Tim. Sorry, Miz. Sorry, Tim, to move away on it, but we do, have, uh, we do have a lot to go through on this kind of thing. There's two other big points on his Straight Edge Society run. One of them was his feud with Ray Mysterio. Mm. Uh, do we think that was a plus? I mean, it kind of had a, the ending of it with him get, eventually getting his head shaved. Was that a decent payoff, or do you think yes, this? Yes, no. was amazing. Or do you think this felt <laughs> made it fall flat? Because he had to wear that stupid mask. One of my other points was going to be, I think Bruce should have joined just for a little while, and like they should have made him like maybe do a dozenary, make Ray take the mask off. It's like a sign of loyalty or something like that. Or Punk puts Ray in a match and says, if you lose it, you, you have to take your mask off. Hmm. I don't know if it was going to be, I was going to make a joke earlier in the intros, but I, I think it's best saying now. 
Another use for CM could probably be Charles Manson because he looked like Charles Manson that run with the long hair oh. and the beard. And a lot of people were comparing him to a cult leader at the time. <laughs> it kind of was a cult. I mean, it was a cult. There's, no, there's not a maybe about it. It one was a cult. One cult. Cult master punk. One of the best. One of the best. The best examples of that was was uh, the reason Serena Dean got fired because oh, she was seen um, drinking in a bar. Yeah. And yeah. she was meant. They wanted her to fully do the persona, uh, fully be straight edge. They could have probably ran with that in a type of way, but. The ultimate thing that killed the straight edge society had to be the feud with the big show. Talk about being fed to someone. <laughs> they were fed to the big show. It was criminal. Joy, was it Joy Mercury ended up joining Joy the Mercury, Mercury yeah. as well? Yeah. It was just. Oh, man. Uh, this, the match is SummerSlam, the handicap match. The four on one handicap match. The big show won. Three on one. It says four on one here. No, it's three on one. Are you sure? Yeah, four Serena not in it. No. No, Serena wasn't in it. Oh. It says 4-1 handicap here. What? <laughs> it says 4-1 handicap. Oh, the entire straight edge society. Oh, the entire straight edge society. After Pumpkin banded his teammates. David. So it was the four of them. So you had Serena, you had Luke Gallows, you had the other guy, and CM Punk. And then show. he abandoned them. Why they didn't win that match? Because the Big me. Show is big and strong, like, and he will eat the ball. He's a <laughs> like talk about being fed. To the I eat the baby. He's fed to the Big Show. He will literally eat you. <laughs> well, it's the Big Show. Da 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 da. Just the worst thing I was in that match. You seen what happened when AJ got run over by the Big Show? That's what would happen. Oh my God. Yeah, but um, that big show feud, I, I raised it from my memory, but it was <laughs> such a waste. So just briefly before we end up, we go into a break. Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on how WWE used the Straight Edge Society? Scott, it's a thumbs down. Dave? Down. Sarah? Nah. <laughs> I am the bar. <laughs> yes. You're, do- you're doing a quacko and staying on the fence. I don't care because I I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. And it's literally my marmite. Are you on the fence? So you pick this At the start, it was amazing. Then it could have just fell flat. It's because, like marmite. Yeah, like the like the I like the whole power they were given at the start, but then it just kind of dragged on and dragged on, and then they just don't know what to do with it. So. Yeah, and then we had a feud between Gallows and Punk, which went nowhere nope. because it Punk, was pointless. Because Punk got injured and ended up going to Raw. And that's what we're going to talk about in our next part of the show. After we take a short break, we're going to be talking about Punk's run on Raw, his resurgence up the roster when he became a certain guy officially, and then what happened in the future with his acrimonious departure from WWE but we'll stay with us, we'll talk about that in the meantime, we're going to pay play which is arguably the most talked about and most played moment of CM Punk's career, you know it, you love it it's pipe bomb time, we'll be back with you in five Hey, this is professional wrestler Cole Cabana and I'm only assuming that you have just finished listening to my podcast, The Art of Wrestling, and now you've made the decision to listen to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets which is a mouthful to say but not only have I said it, you've said it, you've suplexed, you've ate, you've slept, and now you've retweeted. Enjoy the show. John Cena, while you, you lay there, hopefully as uncomfortable as you possibly can be, I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest this because before I leave in three weeks with your WWE Championship, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I don't hate you, John. I don't even dislike you. I do like you. I like you a hell of a lot more than I like most people in the back. I hate 
this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. There's one thing you're better at than I am, and that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good as kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. I don't know if you're as good as Dwayne, though he's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else was a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar. And he split just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me and the fact that day in and day out for almost six years I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no, how many, no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. I'm not on Conan O'Brien. I'm not on Jimmy Fallon. But the fact of the matter is I should be. And trust me, this isn't sour grapes. But the fact that Dwayne is in the main event of WrestleMania next year and I'm not makes me sick. Oh, hey, let, let me get something straight. Those of you who are cheering me right now, you are just the biggest part of me leaving as anything else. Because you're the ones that are sipping out of those collector cups right now. You're the ones that buy those programs that my face isn't on the cover of. And then at five in the morning at the airport, you try to shove it in my face so you can get an autograph and try to sell it on eBay because you're too lazy to go get a real job. I'm leaving with the WWE Championship on July 17th. And hell, who knows, maybe I'll go defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor. Hey, Colt Cabana, how you doing? The reason I'm leaving is you people, because after I'm gone, you're still gonna pour money into this company. I'm just a spoke on the wheel. The wheel's gonna keep turning, and I understand that. But Vince McMahon's gonna make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing, nonsensical yes-men like John Laurinaitis, who's going to tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, but the fact is, it's, it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. Let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon, all right? Do we do this whole bully camp? Ladies 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson. I'm joined by Sarah, Dave, Scott and Kwaku. And we are talking about the best in the world, the voice of the voiceless, the Mr. Money in the Bank, twice. It is CM Punk. If you are enjoying the show, you know the usual places to get us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. Got the huge back catalogue as well on iTunes, all good podcasting sites on Android and Spotify where you can listen to our full back catalogue. Right, let's get into the next stage of CM Punk's career. We've talked about his pre-WWE run, talked about ECW, we've talked about his breakout years, clued up to the Straight Edge Society. We're now going to the point where he moved back to Raw and after a brief spell on commentary, he would take over the Nexus. Mm-hmm. Mm. Why did he take over the Nexus? I think they were just trying to save what was left of it, I think, because people were getting injured, people were going to SmackDown, and yeah, it didn't, uh, yeah, there was a sort of like leadership struggle with Wade Barrett as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a brief, um, he briefly kind of feuded with him over who was going to be the leader. Some went to SmackDown and went to the core. Mm-hmm. Other ones stayed with them. Uh, there was this whole, there was a whole initiation process. What did I say? So Initiation's weird. a nice word to yeah. put about it. I mean, it was basically making them like prove how like they're worth basically and just, hazing. So it was just get the shit kicked out of you if you wanted to prove yourself to be loyal. I think that was the point I was making, Dave. Thank you very much. <laughs> the worst thing about this run is it came at the expense of his time on commentary. Which is no, 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 the worst part of this run is that we got introduced to Mason Ryan. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Punk. The man formerly known as Goliath on Sky One Gladiators. I think with Punk on Contest, his best one was when he got the anonymous Raw GM and he had to read it out and he looked so excited to do it. Mm. Hello, everybody. But I think it's fair to say this was not a very inspired point in his career. They were losing pretty much constantly, I think it was fair to say. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a surprise when Punk became the number one contender to John Cena and then the week after he became or the week he became the number one contender he announced my contract's up and I'm leaving the country and things got interesting and then the week later oh, we, oh, you mean oh, leaving oh, the country oh, oh, leaving oh, the oh, country oh, 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 you mean oh. leaving the company sorry well I have something to say Stephen oh. you called me a stooge earlier but I am tonight I am the voice of the voiceless. Oh, hello, hello. Oh, crazy scrubs this light. Oh, I want to see where this goes. And the person without a voice tonight oh, no. is the leader of Roscoe. Quacky turn his mic down. And I have a statement on behalf. Let, wait, let's, 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 let's hear the travel. Let's no, hear the travel. Let's hear the travel. Go on. Stephen Wilson, as you sit here, hopefully as roasting as you possibly can be, I want you to listen to me. Before I return three weeks on the show, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I don't hate you, Stephen. Hell, I hate you a hell of a lot more than some other Stevens that have been on this show. What I hate is this idea that you're the best host. Because you're not. I am. Mm. I'm the best on the pod. Mm. There's one thing you're better at than I am, and that's kissing Quacko's ass. <laughs> you're, you're, better than, you're better at that than Alan McLucas. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're as good as Sarah, though. She's a pretty good ass kisser. Oh, what? <laughs> always was, always will be. Oh, I'm going to kill that boy. I'm breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> I'm going to kill that boy. I'm, I'm the best in the pod. I have ever been ever since my second show and have been vilified and hated because Nathan Fisher saw something in me that no one else wanted to admit. That's right, I love getting Fishered. You know who else does? David Campbell. And he'll split, just like I have. The only difference is he took the SSR title. 
now proven time again now I'm the best as a host, as a panelist, even in interviews. No one can touch me. He's done one interview. By the way, what's his interview with Simon Miller is available on our back goal. I'll go on Anchor and Spotify and all good podcasting sets. Bitch, you can't touch us at the moment, okay? <laughs> Keep going. Yet, I'm not in Quasco's best entrances show. I don't get in pictures when we go to any shows. I don't get moves named after me. I'm certainly not in your crappy dream team shows. <laughs> Trust me, this isn't Sarah Craig, but the fact that Sarah got the interview Christopher Saint and I didn't makes me sick. <coughs> I may be back on the show in two weeks, but hey, who knows? Maybe I'll go with Scott and Paul's rambling podcast, or maybe I'll join first time. Hi, yeah, they can have them. Hi, David Campbell. Who wants to replace Ross? I'd like, and I'd like to think the show will improve and Stephen Wilson goes on holiday next week. But the fact is, it'll just get hosted by glad-handing yes-men like David Hockney. Like Gary, Derek, and the rest of his stupid family. Quacko, <laughs> <laughs> you're, laughing, you're laughing at me, but I've done some things I want to say about Quacko. You know, he does this whole Kingsland thing. He's not even that good as a producer. Let me tell you some things about Quacko. Nope, here. sorry. <laughs> You cannot silence me. I, 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 I
it should have held off on Cena V till SummerSlam. Have that, then do the Dario cash, and then Burger cash, and on gets us a feed with it. We Dario for a few months, then you bring back Punk. You know, yeah, I think that's better. Better. Time to take a while. We can see someone when you're sitting on the armchair. I mean, they did. A, they've got a similar angle that they ran recently with Kevin Owens quitting Raw. <laughs> yeah, quite one week he's oh, back the next. Then the one week he's back. It's like when and Sammy got fired as well. Well, they the fired for like a night and then they were back on SmackDown. Well, the thing about it is he left, came back a week later and helped the guy who nearly killed him for three months. But that's a big blessing. So what we've just described is we've, had, we've got a guy in CM Punk who's arguably had the best match of his career against John Cena. He's the hottest star on the roster. Who can we put him with to keep his popularity with? Kevin Nash! Of course. <laughs> yeah. That made no I've sense. Not, not a clue what I, that was all about. Uh-huh. All the fact they didn't notice Kevin Nash until he was in there, and like, how do you miss Kevin Nash? <laughs> you can see him clearly when he was on the tumbuckles, like, let's keep Kevin Nash in the count. Oh my he god. Why is he didn't tear his quads climbing over the barricades? <laughs> oh, that's Vince. I mean, you kind of. Oh, oh dear. You kind of think, uh, the way they kind of booked this whole thing, they didn't even know what they were doing with Kevin Nash. Yeah. It's like, oh, we've got a chance to get Kevin Nash back, let's use him. Yeah. It's like the. the so I was here for the night. Oh, what's The Cena CM Punk feud ended up being Triple H versus Kevin Nash. And I'm thinking, how does that work? Well, we got Triple H versus CM Punk, and this was a chance for the man who's going to be the future owner of the company to pull over the biggest star. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. You can hear that sound in the distance. You can hear that. It sounds like a shovel. Uh, Dig yeah. down. That, was the, that main evented over both world title matches at Night of Champions. Yeah, but it's alright because him and Triple H would then team together and they would beat Miz and Truth. No, <gasps> Everything's they okay no, 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 again. No, they, they lost to Miz and Truth. Exactly. I've been sarcastic. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but guys, it's okay because. He also had this. The, he had another shot at the to win back the world title from Del Rio in a Hell in a Cell with John Cena, and he's gonna win the belt back then. Oh wait. Nope. Nope. How badly did they muck up the Summer of Punk? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Summer Punk, punk 2.0. They were literally being spoon-fed the feud of the year, and they just, <laughs> just like, yeah. and they dropped and they dropped the spoon. How'd we do this? Oh my god. Yeah, but then it's fine because we're then gonna. <laughs> It's then, never fine. He's then going to beat Del Rio in a match with zero bill at Survival Series. <sighs> to be fair, he did bring Howard Finkel back mm-hmm. to be his ring announcer. That was cool. That yeah. was really cool. I'll give him that. It's clobbering time! It's a brilliant thing. <laughs> I'll love that. You know? uh, but, as we said, he did eventually win. The Summer of Punk was... It could have been great. He went on to face Laurinaitis. That's that's the Summer Punk written all over it. Was that not Cena? No, that was Cena. Was it Cena? Yeah. Cena fought Laurinaitis. If you didn't win Laurinaitis... Laurinaitis uh, no, um, was a special ref at the Royal Rumble 2012 against Sigmar. No, but as I say, the advantage was he did eventually get the title in the, at the Survivor Series that year. And he would hold that title for many, many moons. Many, many moons. How many? I can't remember exactly. Tell me the days. 432, uh, was it? No, it's uh, 434. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's why the, that's why the, the page is called yeah. the 434. Yeah. Uh, you did not know that. I forgot. Stop cutting Scott off. Mainly because... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Scott, my face still hurts from that pipe over yours. <laughs> that was incredible. I've heard oh, better. I'm so proud of that. It's the best thing I've ever done. I've heard better. <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. But, uh, yeah. What was I going to say? I've forgotten it. <laughs> but, yeah. Win the world title. They would hold it for 434 days. Now, we'll, let's, before, we'll, we'll split this in half. Let's talk about the first half of his reign. Dave, we'll go to you at this point. What was your highlight of the first half of his reign up until Raw 1000? Probably it's you with Chris Jericho. Right. Um, 
Because obviously, um, he it sort of came about when Jericho came came back. Everybody thought Jericho was going to win the Royal Rumble, but why he didn't though? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Because people thought WWE thought, oh, it's going to be too predictable. Because they, but you know, they all love Sheamus. <laughs> yeah, I think Sheamus's Rumble win was just for sheer shock factor. But we did get Punk versus Jericho at WrestleMania, which I think fueled fueled by an excellent sort of build up. Uh, considering Jericho got screwed out of the championship at Elimination Chamber. Um, but yeah, then it sort of got personal when they're built up to Extreme Rules and they have the Chicago Street Fight. Mm. I think, obviously, you know, Jericho's teasing Punk with the alcohol because he doesn't drink. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, probably the best feud he had for the first half of the year. Mm. Sarah, what was your favourite in this? <laughs> well, see, I did talk about it on our couples of wrestling, but it was the lovely love square between Kane, Daniel Bryan, and AJ Lee. I loved that. Kane's addition to that was. Was great. It was amazing. You camped it over there. It camped it, but no. Like, I think it's just like since. I think he was actually wasted in that. Bit, but, you know. Since it started out, obviously, like it started off with the match with Daniel Bryan, and obviously then AJ kept getting involved, and then Kane got involved, and then AJ kept getting involved, and yeah, it was that was probably my highlight. Cause I think it was just, I don't know, it was like it was. I think it's more aimed towards AJ being like in a dominating role in that feud. I thought Daniel Bryan would have took the belt off Money in the Bank that year. I really wish he would. <laughs> it would have been actually really good. I thought it was perfectly built. For, I thought what AJ, would have happened? I thought AJ Lee would have screwed over Punk, and but they turned it. They ran the angle where AJ had pretty much zero involvement in the match. He took out, she came back in. Yeah, which is interesting. Scott, I miss AJ. Speaking of Kane, I didn't like him being involved in that thing. I think he was only involved in that day they put in that picture so that they could do the thing with him and Brian later on, where they would team up and become team hell no which Worked out in the end, but yeah. Mm-hmm. That two out were the TLC match with him, Miz, and Del Rio. Uh, weirdly, that paper was one of the few in that time that didn't have Cena on it at all, mm. which was a plus. <laughs> and uh, the Chicago Street Fight between him and Jericho, I think, was a great way to end the feud and better than their WrestleMania match, in my opinion. I thought it was a great match itself as well. I thought it was really, really good. Quack, uh, you got any favourites from this point in the title reign? Um, well, again, I did like that. Like, I'm a big Jericho fan, as people know, and the thing I liked particularly was how much Jer- <laughs> see when Jericho was like going on, like, uh, you know, you like your alcohol, you want to have a drink, uh, Punk, do you want to have a drink? Mm-hmm. He was like talking to him like he was like this really dark counselor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it. We know the bit where he would keep pouring alcohol on Punk and then she'd say, uh, apparently, according to Jericho, he talked to Punk about maybe tattooing Punk in the middle of the ring, and Punk was okay with that. And Punk was actually going to show him how he'd, how he'd do tattoos, but Vince was worried they would draw blood accidentally and didn't want to do it. Well, uh, you, can't, you can't have a tattoo without blood, so. It makes a, it makes a fair point, but there was there was, a, there was a lot of good stuff in that initial uh, run with the belt. Then we got a Vince Russo moment, and we got a swerve. <gasps> we got a good swerve. Dun, dun, uh, dun, dun, dun. Raw 1000, where uh, Mr. Cena was cashing his Money in the Bank briefcase against CM Punk on obviously the 1000 episode of Raw. Now, right up to this point, the Money in the Bank contract has always been successful, so we all mm-hmm. had the, we all had the fear of oh, he's going to take the Cena's going to take the belt off him. <laughs> but then the match was weird. I thought that match was weird. Yeah. Then we got the Rock, Dwayne. Um, yes, sir. Uh, thank you, Dave. Um, <laughs> hi, Ross. How you doing? <laughs> he was not doing well on that episode when Punk clotheslined him. I've never seen him cry so much. Yeah, Aww. we got we got the surprise of Punk turning heel. Sarah, were you shocked to see Punk turn heel at this point? 
No. <laughs> no. Surprised or pleased? Yes. I was more pleased. I was more pleased than anything. I wasn't surprised because obviously I always preferred them as a heel than a face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in that it's a, it's a lot more fun to play the heel than to play the face because obviously you could do whatever the hell you want as long as it makes people hate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's easy to make people hate you. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I thought because he was at the peak of he was at the peak of his powers. I thought as a face, I thought I was, that's why I was surprised. But if you're gonna turn on a guy, he couldn't do much it. more with a face like than he was already doing. There was nowhere else for him to go, and mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's it's more shock factor, and it's just like just to sort of revamp him a little bit. You know what shock factor? How they solidified him as a heel by having him feud with Jerry Lawler. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Of all people. About, about, was, it, was that pre or post heart attack? Both, both, I think. Pre, and then he came, when he came back, the other pumpkin and made fun of the fact that he had a heart Yeah. Mm. How to solidify you as a heel? An extra way to solidify you as a heel, Dave. Mm-hmm. Give him a manager. Yep. And what manager? Then the guy we've talked about earlier on the show. Paul Heyman. I remember the moment where Heyman became his manager and he was fighting Cena backstage in the, and, in the parking lot. He threw him on the car and he jumped in the car. And then all, like, all you see is the slow motion driving. Paul Heyman's just poking his head out the window and he's like, I've got all given fellas. That's like kind of creepy the way it does. It's just like, hi. Oh, <laughs> oh, but it's great. What did you think he added to Punk as a heel character? I think, I think it just solidified that he had really strong backing from a sort of managerial perspective. Because obviously, you know, Punk said it in his pipe bomb promo, he's always been a Paul Heyman guy because Paul Heyman's really the only one to have supported him. Uh, but what I liked about this is is that whenever Paul Heyman goes with somebody, he's usually to be there to be the mouthpiece because the rest of themselves usually is a bit rusty when it comes to promo work. That wasn't his um, that wasn't his like uh, his situation because Punk was already dynamite on the mic. Mm-hmm. So anytime Paul Heyman was there, he would just hold the title above his head and just sing, just sort of show everybody that yeah, this is my guy. He's the champion. Yeah. Respect him. Yeah, what, he, what he also did give him his watch to check the title. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Heyman does explain this well why his thing worked with Punk so well. So the difference between his thing with Punk and his with Heyman is, said we we Brock, he's like Brock's lawyer. He speaks on his behalf, and Brock doesn't need to speak. Whereas with Punk, Punk can already see they're both two good talkers. Who can riff off each other? Like Punky says, a good like musical artist who's good on his own. But when there's a certain other people he can do a collaboration with, he's even better. Yeah, I mean, the thing, I, the, the one trick I think they missed in his heel run was um, they teased him being with the Shield. Obviously, Shield formed at this point in time, but mm-hmm. he never went with the. Sh- it was never really the leader of the Shield. <laughs> but kind of mm-hmm. at the time, you kind of thought, yeah, this could this is a mess. But looking back on it now, yeah, kind of happy it that she could, was. Kinda... It could have worked like it, it. Like see, the way that he's went with stables, mm-hmm. you would sort of half expect him to go. Ah, now this is mine now. <laughs> but obviously, it, I feel like it, it, looking back on it, it, it probably a good idea he didn't. But the thing is, obviously. He ended up facing the Rock at the Royal Rumble the next year, and the Rock <laughs> beat him. I think. I didn't like that match. I thought oh. it was poorly done with the shield, mm. the, the shield thing, and then restarted. But the one advantage of thing was he got he, he then went on to feud again with the Undertaker, and he was he was the next guy. It was twenty and at this point in time. He was the next guy to try and beat the streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick question around the panel: Should Punk have beat the streak that year? Yes. Probably. No. All defense. No. <laughs> but on the on the feud, I mean, you talk about his. We talked there briefly about how his thing with Jerry Lawler had potential to be personal. The feud with the Undertaker. Oh. Yeah. But with, with Paul I mean, Bennell's death being really... I mean, really, I mean uh, world, 
Uh, Wrestling Observer newsletter stated that uh, in the Jerry Lawler situation, it was voted most disgusting promotional tactic, exploiting Lawler's heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if this was the following year's one, but did Punk, there was a lot of controversy about using uh, Paul Bearer uh, oh, as, the, oh, yeah. as a promotional tactic. The one I remember is when he's got the urn backstage in the video and he's tossing the urn them out yeah. and then he drops it and he literally doesn't mean to drop it because he's, like, yeah. <laughs> he's just like mimicking uh, Bearer's so like. Yeah, but that was creepy. But then it's the, the final raw before Mania where he pours the ashes on. Mm. Oh, I know. So that was yeah. just. Yeah, that Jack, about, there's a couple of points I didn't get mentioned about when he was champion. For one, I think the whole thing, the shoe was my idea. I think it's bullshit. And it's kind of sad in the end of 24 we realise, as good as, good as much as I like the, the rock, the moment of rock beating him, when you realise the whole 24 was the second half at least is building up to the rock. Beating them. Yes. Not, not the fair thing, on the fair thing, that's the one would have been disgusting if it's happened a few years later, but it would maybe even worth the fact he'd only die like weeks before, you know, probably less than that. Yeah, I mean, it was something. I mean, the match that Turner had at WrestleMania was, was great. I thought it was a really, really quality match. But after WrestleMania, it would, Punk would leave. It, well, it would, it would walk, leave, and we'd eventually see him again around the, where he took on Jericho. Mm-hmm. And then it was leading to Money in the Bank, where we got the Heyman turn. I think this Heyman turn was expected. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it still was kind of heartbreaking to see, mm-hmm. just in like the slightest bit. But as like you could probably see it coming like a mile off. Like watching it back. Oh yeah, Heyman's in that going, ring. Oh, right now I get it. Right, <laughs> Axel. Curtis Axel comes out and gets involved. I mean, that's some hurt. Of all people, yeah. The man formerly known as Michael McGillicuddy of the New Nexus. Yeah. It was great that we. we, we Not even of the New Nexus, just the Nexus. But it was good that we did eventually get that. It led to the match that. The two Heyman guys everybody wanted to see face off and Punk and Lesnar. I really like this match at SummerSlam. Yes. That was a cracking match, yeah. But one of the best SummerSlam matches probably ever. Probably one of Brock's best matches, I'd say. Are you talking about like when Punk was facing Ryback? I bet that was like one of your favourite matches. <laughs> best way to sum up this game. Money in the bank to SummerSlam. Great. Everything afterwards. Kill me now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the match with Lesnar was, as you say, it's one of Lesnar's best feuds. Uh, I think... What happened between SummerSlam and the next SummerSlam? SummerSlam. SummerSlam. Between SummerSlam and the next year's Royal Rumble was quite forgettable, I think, for Punk. Yeah, yeah. it involved Ryback. Ryback, Axel. The if Wyatts you think about the Wyatts, it seemed to Daniel Bryan. Three on one handicap against the Shield. Yeah, and the only one because Reigns speared Shield. Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which was something. So it was. I think it's a shame. That easy run kind of had this quite damp squib of the last six months. Oh yeah, it was horrible booking, in oh. my opinion. I mean, it was just shitty match after shitty match. They didn't know what to do with him, I didn't think. No. It's only when you watch it back, you can tell how much he doesn't, he doesn't want to be there. He just looks more and more miserable, especially after the rumble. Bags under his eyes were just getting you know bigger and yeah. bigger. I think he wanted more time off, I think, because he only got a couple of months. I think he wanted to go yeah. a bit longer to heal up. Yeah. Mind after, like, the year before when The Shield made their first uh, match at the TLC 2012, he was, Pug was ruled out injured with, like, a knee injury and needed surgery. They brought him back literally weeks after that was done, and he needed at least maybe about a couple of months. Because mm-hmm. he had the belt. Ah, he had the title, yeah. Because the whole he thing was, was him rock. He was rushed back too quickly, and... You know, he had that staff infection on his back as well. I'd be miffed as well if he did that. Yeah, he was carrying that around for, for months in the sort of end of 2013. And the fact that the doctor just diagnosed it as a fat deposit, he could have died from it had it was because it, it wasn't properly diagnosed. Mm. I think in 2012, 2013, was, you could have had him lose to the rock, 
Like, I think it would have been good if he'd been involved in the main event. I don't think it really would have helped because it was Roxena again in another main event. So oh, even right. if you had Punk in there, people were still going to be a bit annoyed. Oh, I mean, it, it would have made a difference. You know, I mean, you got yeah. Cena and you got Cena Rock, yeah. but you got Punk that makes it a bit different. Other than uh, it would have, it's better selling that. Well, we've got once in a lifetime. This is they're, they're living there together. They're going to sell it, but we've got Punk there as an extra. Yeah, yeah, what well, I don't see, I still to this day think the WrestleMania 29 main event should have been a triple threat: Rock, Cena, Punk. Cena still would have won, but the thing was, yeah. Punk, Punk had lost the Rumble. Let him miss out. Uh, I'll mention you don't, don't, don't need the Rock to be on a B pay per view because not all people care because the final pay per view before Mania. Mm. They just want to get, they just want to get that. They get to Mania. Yeah, you so want to go so, home and shoot and before the Rock's, Mania. They're also part time, so just let the Rock miss out this paper. If you let Punk heal up, and we end up with Rock and see try to have their confrontation like the first row afterwards. That's when Punk comes back and interjects himself using his rematch clause as his reason. Yeah, would have made a bit. That would have made a bit more sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say, but uh, the, 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 his final appearance at the Royal Rumble kind of summed things up. But he was in there after the full match, and then Kane caused his elimination. You know. But then, this is, which thing is kind of get interesting. But interesting as in they left. He left because things weren't interesting anymore. Yeah. Uh, just, just, yeah, everything was set in stone. Sarah, what was your thoughts on Punk walking out on the company after the Royal Rumble 2014? I couldn't blame him. I actually couldn't. Like, as, as shitty as it was that everything was going down from, it, I, I think it was just time for him, like obviously like see when he didn't actually turn up, he was just like, I'm tired, I'm worn down, I just need some time. And I don't think like folk could understand that because like it does wear you down, especially when you've been the top guy for two, three plus years and you've had everything on your back. Mm-hmm. It does take its toll. I mean, that's why it's like when he didn't actually like when he just sort of decided to tell Vincent Triple H, I'm going home. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think the the wrestle we talked about the WrestleMania thing that that played a big part in his departure. There was the injuries as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a thing about it was between that point and WrestleMania that year, David. There was a lot of rumors that he was going to show up. I believe there was a Raw in Chicago mm-hmm. where there was a massive rumor that he was going to be there. Yeah, and it stuck the his couple of personality played to start the show, and mm-hmm. who walked out? Paul Heyman. <laughs> I think they handled it very very well because on Twitter. All the fans were dubbing this as Hijack Raw because not just because of the situation with Punk, but also I don't think situ- this one was Hijack Raw. I think this was actually it was rumored to be coming back. At yeah. This oh yeah. Hijack was, Raw was later. No, I'm pretty sure this was this was Hijack Raw, the one in Chicago. But yeah, it wasn't because it wasn't just what was going on with Punk. It was was going on with Daniel Bryan at the time mm-hmm. because obviously he was omitted from the Raw Rumble and everyone he wanted him to main event WrestleMania. But having Paul Heyman come out to Punk's music and basically address the situation while still working kayfabe. Only Paul Heyman could have pulled that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, was, he was a perfect guy to do it, Scott. Uh, he did the cross legs, not as well as some other people, but... <laughs> <laughs> ah, dude. Uh, but things truly, and I believe truly, got interesting in November 2014, where a certain podcast... Oh, forgot to mention, thank you, Colt Cabana, for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Colt Cabana, how you doing? That's been overdone, Dave. Well, that's, I, I just thought it was the running theme of the show here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, not for me. Uh, Punk's appearance on the Art of Wrestling podcast. Arguably, 
arguably the most controversial podcast episode of all time until two weeks when we do Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> Is Alan on the show? No. Oh. But Nathan's back. Nathan! <laughs> Where the hell have you been? Working, probably. Working at the police. Good on you. <laughs> oh, okay. where, where can we start on the on the art of wrestling podcast? At the beginning. <laughs> As you do. All right, all right, smart arse, on you go. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're on the spot here. It's two things like what's happened after the art of wrestling that have kind of made me kind of soured me on Punk a lot because I I'll, I'll, I still liked him when he left, even though his last three months weren't his best. He, he left, and I was disappointed because of how random it was. There was no explanation. He just He's at the rumble, and then by the way, he's gone. And then what's happened afterwards, where he dragged Cabana into the whole legal situation that came after that. Hmm. And as I've looked back on it, Punk's a bit too off his own arse. It's not because, oh, he was a top guy and that made it, that inflated his ego. No, we look at him, he was always off his own arse. He still is. It's a, it's a, it is amazing, you kind of point out how the opinion of Punk has changed over the years since this incident. I mean, to the point at a recent event where he was booed in Chicago. Yeah. Could you imagine? He's no longer the hometown hero. Yeah. It, well, everybody loves Colt. Everybody's with Colt Cabana now. Oh, yeah. But, uh, like, I think, thank God. <laughs> thank God we will probably, hopefully, never have the CM Punk chance again in Chicago. Because mm-hmm. that's what annoys me every single time that Raw or any pay-per-view go to Chicago mm-hmm. or you hear CM Punk chants but like I actually sat and listened to this interview on the Art of Wrestling and again like to see like what, what Scott had said is it does sound so much up his own arse I mean he's sitting there going I was suspended for walking out of the company and then and when it was done they didn't contact me it's oh. like well yeah, you're suspended you're fired no it's like, I, no, it's like he, he, at that point I don't think he realised he was actually fired because he was just suspended mm-hmm for walking out and then once that was up they didn't contact him and then they stopped advertising for future events he stopped getting all the royalties for like merchandise and all this sort of stuff um, and what was that like, like, like WWE gave him his termination papers on his wedding day oh. of all days yeah. was his wedding day ask him why didn't they call me like you walked out on them like break up. you call them? Yeah, yeah it's like, like break right. up with somebody and then the next day call them like why haven't you called me? <laughs> exactly or you could have just said I'm sorry for a start no, uh, that's, not his, no, that's not his vocabulary. It wasn't just like what happened in WWE. I think there was one incident in IWA South, sort of early part of his career. Um, he actually protested against wrestling for them at one point because, um, well, there was rumours going around that he wanted to leave. But he uh, supposedly he was protesting because of Ian Rotman's mistreatment of Chris Hero. Because obviously the uh, him and Punk were having a, a terrific feud at the time. Um, but he, Chris Hero comes out and says, no, that's not the case, I'm not being mistreated, he's just using this as an excuse not to compete for them and he wants to leave and go somewhere else. I think, I mean, at first I did feel a little bit of sympathy for Punk, but now I realise, I think he's just really... He's a dick. He's pushing the boundaries a bit. <laughs> well, I'm not, not to use the phrase lightly, yeah. We talk, we're ratting on behalf of Al Lucas because he couldn't be here. This is why we like Colt Cabana better. See, we, we talked earlier on about the thing like the staff inf- the infection, staff infection and his injuries being a thing, but mm-hmm. that's understandable, yeah. Here's, here's some of the reasons he listed on that podcast for his unhappiness. Uh, first of all, as we talked about, his failure at main event WrestleMania. They, uh, that, was a big, that was a big driving factor, apparently. We've well, talked. A lot of people don't get to main event WrestleMania, though. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Oh, another, another one is, um, he says he was him being paid less than other wrestlers in the big three matches, then being Cena, Rock, and The Undertaker. Mm. Uh, you can understand that it, 
it's hard to kind of judge that one without seeing pace, without seeing which was paid. Mm-hmm. But because you look at three big stars in the roster and they three are up there. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. On, on this point, <coughs> WrestleMania is all about the casuals and those three pull in more casuals than most people. And two, he complains about this, he was in a similar situation with Mickey Gall and he lost to Mickey Gall, where he was paid more than Mickey Gall because he pulled people in like Undertaker, mm-hmm. like The Rock, like John Cena do. I mean the thing about you talk about the pay is, and oh, they three may be up there but we, we, we don't know the pay of the guys, say, on the lower cards, uh, like uh-huh. maybe Swagger, Del Rio, all those type of guys. We don't Ziggler, really, they type of ones, Biggie. We don't really know how low down they were, mm-hmm. so we can't, it's hard to kind of judge I mean, that one. For all we know, it could have been like a pound bloody less or something. Mm-hmm. That's for all we know, uh, or 50 pence. Other one was uh, doing favours for Vince and not being owed back. Well, from what you hear from wrestlers, is, is, he, the, is he the only one? Ah, he's your boss as well. He's your boss, yeah, he's your so boss yeah. I mean, so I mean, if he's asking you to do something bloody dead, it's if like, my boss asked me for a favour, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel the need to ask for something in return. Oh no, I, I cash in. If I go, can't hurt on this for you. But no, yeah, I, I don't do that. Again, it's all dependent on the person and what their attitude is. They feel like if you, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, kind of thing. But some people, you know, they'll just do a favour just for the sake of it. You know, make things easier for them. Uh, I, everybody. I, th- I think it's like, oh, I'll do a favour. Maybe, maybe. I'll make my way to the top by, you know, mm. kissing his arse, mm. so to speak, and yet he was getting at other folk for, you know, at kissing least, arses apparently. He, um, he, had it, he held his convictions well, I think. He stood by his beliefs and he didn't want to be a sellout, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, another, another one, he said he was being creatively stifled and he felt there was no long-term plans for wrestlers other than John Cena. It's um, again creatively stifled. I mean, getting the cue. With all fairness, you're yeah. creatively stifled when you do go to WWE in a sense. I mean, in the Indies, you have a little bit more control over your gimmick and over matches. But when you go to WWE, they have a certain image that they want for you. They have a certain way that you want to go about it. You kind of have to go with it. Like you over the years, you can probably gain some creative control, mm-hmm. but not not entirely. Like that is the whole. I wouldn't say it's the purpose of WWE, but you are more boxed in when it comes to creativity than what you do when you're on the independent circuit and you are in charge of your own stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what he's just like, he could probably understand. Yeah, I mean, again, the long-term plans for wrestling under John Cena, I mean, again, it's hard to tell these things because we don't have actual facts. Mm-hmm. We could sit here and we could talk all day, you know. It's, all just, it's speculation, just speculation, yeah. yeah. We could stipulate, but that one's hard to tell. I mean, another one, uh, not getting answers to how the advent of the WWE Network would affect wrestler salaries. Uh, that's kind of that is kinda, that's kind of one that's kind of talked about currently at the moment. That's still a big talking point because obviously it used to be pay per view money, uh-huh. but the pay per view money is not as big a thing because nine 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 yeah, WrestleMania. Yeah, mugs. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's not like you can't get it for you know free for your first month and then nine ninety nine a month after that. Mm-hmm. Sorry yeah. if you buy pay per view after network, but I'm sorry. Yeah, you're cheaper getting the network. If you're, if you're still buying pay per views, have a word for yourself and come join the future. Or yeah. join the present, well, to be fair, WrestleMania is casual viewers, and casual viewers aren't as familiar with the network, so they're, yeah. they're, they're just to the way they usually do and with the buy-in. Yeah, pretty Box much. Office. And plus, not everybody has like um, access to the WWE app on their TV or in their living yeah. room. They have a Skybox instead. Yeah, it's not just the network as well. Yeah, very good. It's um, it's not just the network as well. I think merch sales obviously played a factor because he was um, he was talking about 
giving WWE permission to sell his remaining merchandise, but he wasn't going to get any of the royalties from it. Yeah, that's another reason. Because he walked out. There was, there was a lot of reasons. I mean, another one as well, obviously, had, his passion for wrestling is gone. He didn't want to wrestle again. Mm-hmm. Which is clear because in recent years, what we've mainly seen Punk in, as Scott alluded to, was his recent run in UFC. Oh my dear gosh. Uh, Quacker, you're a bit more of a UFC man mm-hmm. because of your boxing. Um, can you give a bit of a, an analysis of the Punk? Yes, you run. Well, um, up again. Okay, so Where like you end? the first match, right? Okay, I think he gets a bit too much stick. To be frank, right? And I'll tell you why. Okay, it was obviously completely one-sided. Mickey Gall is an incredible fighter. <laughs> After he fought CM Punk, he did go on to beat Sage Northcutt, who was seen as the basically the up and coming. This guy's gonna basically dominate UFC and losing to Mickey Gall's set him downward spiral. Like Mickey um, the Sage Northcutt is a is a was a proper um it was it was a kinda of like say in UFC at that time it was like obviously you're McGregor, you're Diaz and Northcutt would be not not up to the high level like the Rouseys and stuff, but he'd be next down there. So he was if he had beaten Mickey Gall he would have been up there. But uh, the thing Mickey Gall knew, obviously, is that, <laughs> funnily enough, beat him with some wrestling. Because, let's be honest, to have that kind of level of training and wrestling, it takes a lot of time. You can't just suddenly go, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to do this in UFC. Ask Joe Hendry, ask anyone. So, the first one, mm, but want to see what, 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 what you all I- did. I have a great analogy about what it's like as a wrestling fan watching Punk in UFC. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's like being a parent and watching a young child in a, in a, who's in a play and worried and you can watch them and you know that your child is just terrible. <laughs> you have to, to put on a brave face and like, you'll, you'll get them next time and then you watch them again and they're just as bad. And you, can't, you, you see you're not annoyed but deep down there's that Deep disappointment. Veronica would probably tell the same story about you. Oh! That's what you get for the pipe bomb. You're dead to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Dave, you look like a man who watches UFC on a regular basis. Uh, To be honest, not really. Really? Yeah. I never guessed that. I've seen seen clips of the the UFC fight, the first one obviously with Mickey Gall. Um, but what really ticked me off about that was the fact that WWE had the cheek to mock it in, I think, with the Ms. Ziggler feud they had going on at the time. Like, they'd be, because um, obviously the, the initial stage of the UFC fight, Punk was basically just taken down and he was knocked out in about two minutes. Less and than that. Less than that, yeah. yeah sure. And they basically <laughs> replicated move for move in the Ms. Ziggler match, and I'm thinking that's just bloody cheek on their WWE's part. Considering the fact that even after the fight, Punk actually got a lot of praise from his former colleagues saying, mad respect to you for getting in the ring and, you know, just giving it a go. I think he should have called it quits after one. Oh, I, yeah. I, I thought so too. I mean, how, did he not make a really big amount of money from that first fight? Yes. Probably, yeah. Yeah, he made, like, a, he a made, a made far more than the other guy. In UFC terms, he made a lot Because money. CM Punk was obviously the big draw. Everybody was, was going to tune in to see him in his first fight. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I made that point earlier. Yeah, I was just saying, like you said earlier on, he was the draw. He was, that's why he was getting paid so much more. 
One day we're going to have like a, just an outtake show. It's just going to be Dave. <laughs> oh, coming up. It's like Dave, we talked about this already. Um, yeah. Uh, see, like, the, you see what you said about the, the Miz doing the reenacting? I don't think that was as bad as when Stephanie McMahon said to Mr. Gamble. That one, but give her her dues. That was funny as anything. She tried. Her best oh. thing ever. She tried. Uh, they oh, still, it was funny. They were still mocking him, like, you know, long after he'd gone and they were doing the CM Punk chants. Not because they want. I don't think they did that because they wanted to see Punk. They, they were just doing that as protest because WWE's product was so bad. I think they just wanted to do it because they were dicks, they were, to be honest. They were really dicks and they thought, you know what, this is, this is boring, we're going to chant CM Punk. It's like, uh, you see that, obviously, Mind how we talked about it on one of the WrestleMania. So it's like people are too busy. No, it was one of the NXT Takeover ones. Oh they, no! They, they had missed like, um, oh, what was it? A black mask. Yeah. Alistair Black because they were too busy telling other folk to shut up. That's what it's like every single time we go to Chicago. The, the, every the, time. The last Chicago Takeover wasn't that bad. Oh, oh, I mean, one time this isn't the point I was really about. Yeah, but they behaved at that one. This isn't the point I was really about. I think the first, the first Chicago, Hitami had his GTA. A couple of people tried to start a punk champ, but oh, the wrestling yeah. shut them down. <laughs> but the three worst things you could do at a wrestling show, in my opinion, mainly a WWE one, as a fan, is chant CM Punk, chant what when someone's trying to do a promo. Because that can really ruin somebody who's not good and a bit nervous. Well, they did that way. I almost said it on Smackdown this week. And the worst one of all is bringing a beach ball. No, the, no, the worst one oh, is... Oh, leave beach ball mania uh, out of this. The, the worst one's counting down the timer on a flyer mm-hmm. man. That was... Yeah. I mean, once was funny. That was just ridiculous. But moving on, obviously. Like saying, "Hey, Coke Cabana on the show." It's funny one thing, but I love Coke Cabana. Yeah, no, I like Coke Cabana. This show is amazing, by the way. The French. If anyone has a chance to ever check it out next year, check it out. So, final points on the CM Punk as we're coming to the end of the show. UFC is a dead one now. Dana White said he's not going to be there again. No. He doesn't want. He says he doesn't want to wrestle again. Even though Ring of Honor have actually been, and apparently they've been trying to poach him. Mm. Ring of Honor wants to take him back. He was approached for all in. Final question for the panel on this one, briefly. What does the future hold for Phil Brooks, CM Punk, Scott? I don't care. Because <laughs> <laughs> if he, he, he oh, if he comes to wrestling, fair enough, I'll watch it. If he doesn't want to do it, fair enough. <laughs> You became like your brother in if, this if, if, if he doesn't want to be in wrestling, fine. But can, can people stop asking him to come back when he clearly doesn't want to? I don't to. know how like, he sleeps at night knowing how much you hate him. Fine. You'll probably block me as well. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> We're all getting um, blocked on this show. To be honest, I just hope he finds happiness. I mean, I'm not. I've got. Oh, no, so sentimental, yeah. Dave. You're such a sap. No, honestly, I think given everything he's been through, he's made a ton of money, whether it's through WWE or through UFC. I think he could very well comfortably retire happy, given how much money he's made. You know, he's he's married to AJ Wee now. AJ Mendez is by yes. her real name. Um, April Brooks or something. April. It? April. April Jean Brooks. Yeah, April Jeanette Mendez Brooks. Um, Oh, I was trying to one up us. Oh my god. No one likes a one upper Dave. Yeah. Um, I think he's obviously made clear he doesn't want to go back to wrestling. But like I said before, he's made enough money to retire comfortably, and wherever he gets up to, that's his choice. I'm not going to make any ifs, buts, or pray for him to come back. Um, although I do feel a little bit sorry that, you know, everybody, including his best friends, turn, turn their backs on him. Cool. No, had a reason he's, to. he's pushed them away. He's pushed them away. Yeah. I'll rephrase that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's basically pushed all his friends away and and his fans away, and yeah, 
I'm whatever he gets up to. I just hope it hope it's for the best. Say that. I would love him to be the doting house husband of Mrs. A. G. Lee. Yeah, yes, Kawaki. He'd be a very good house husband to her. How, 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 how he can sleep with me hating him, probably on that big pile of money he made for losing at USC. Ooh. True. Quite comfortably as well. I don't think he gets a lot. Unless he got it in coins. Scott, <laughs> you've had your pipe bomb. <laughs> please sleep some pennies. Please defuse the bomb for now. <laughs> if, you were, if you wouldn't shout at me, I would take this microphone out and drop it right now. <laughs> Yeah, Quacker yeah, would kill yeah, you. Yeah, we would shoot you. Yeah, Quacker, what do you think? Um, I just hope he doesn't serve cold. <laughs> or us. Mm. Aye, come, come for us, I don't care. <laughs> um, well, but just don't serve cold. I mean, that, I mean... And we all love Mr Cabana. Yeah, and hopefully, like, if, if it is true that AJ Lee does want to come back to WWE... I hope he doesn't stop her. Exactly. If he wants to do it. Well, the one thing I would always say about WWE from my experience of watching them in the past and things that... You should never say never. I think it's highly unlikely anytime soon he will come back. I think the big thing that a lot of people have is they had issues with Vince mm-hmm. and they came back for his Triple H. He had issues with Triple H. So, I don't <laughs> know what the future... Maybe don't... he could just go to NXT and play with William Regal all day. <laughs> oh, well, that's well, a Triple H still <laughs> Insert, innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> Triple H calls, still calls all the shots though and he's obviously the successor to the company. I think Punk would be even less likely to return if Triple H took over fully. But yeah... So that's our thoughts on CM Punk. Now, if you have any thoughts on CM Punk that we've not raised in this show and you would like to let us know about and let the world know, please give us, send us it on social media and on Twitter. We are at SuplexRoutine. You can message CM Punk yourself. You may, he, you may be able to message him. We can't for some strange reason because he's blocked us. I can try. Oh no, 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 I'm just going to see if he, I don't think he has blocked me, but I'm going to see. Sarah, don't, don't try it. I'm just going to see if he blocks me. <laughs> Oh, well, it's not come up on my searches. Nah, it's not. <laughs> I'm safe. Do so at your own risk. I'm not going to do anything. I just know that he's not, he doesn't, he's not blocked me. It's fine. Yeah, so if you have any thoughts on that, please message us on that. Uh, now, coming up next week on our show, we have a special show for you where I'll be on here and I'll be talking to various trainees and a couple of trained wrestlers talking about getting into wrestling, training, and what it takes to actually into the wrestling business so that's a special show on trainees and trained wrestlers so listen to that next week we've got a lot of great stuff coming up in the next few weeks uh, we've got a Brock Lesnar show hosted, hosted by yours truly uh, we also have our second oh my ever god <laughs> it's going to be historic excuse me we have a second ever all women's show it's the first ever since the first ever historic all women's panel show yes <laughs> me and the ladies will be back so that is coming up in the next few weeks we've also Keep an eye out. We're going to have, we've got lots of interviews coming up. We oh, always yeah. we always have stuff in the pipeline because you know everybody loves this part from Dave and CM Punk. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's a good interview. I'll look at our recent ones we did. We talked to the best, the beautiful, the only Emily Hayden recently. Yes, we did. Yes, I spoke to Emily Hayden speaking about her training with PBW, teaming with Christopher Saint for the Sensational Scene Birds. Also talking about them dropping a Christmas album, and we're going to get it trending. Quacku on a pole. No, that not like a stripper pole. Just to let you all know. All you have to do is listen back. All you have to do is listen back to the interview and find out how me and Emily got to that particular match, and also get trending. Obviously, she is going for the vacant W3L Women's Championship. So Emily One Belt is trending on Twitter. Can I just say, see, 
No, I'm not even going to go there, David. I can't believe you screamed like that to fought me on a pole. I know it is disgusting, <laughs> but coming from you to scream like that and to fought me on a pole, not dead to me. Yeah, so that is our most recent interview that's available on our back catalogue. That's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, all Android podcasting sites. We are on a lot of them. It's on our Twitter cover photo. It's bloody everywhere. And it's on Spotify. Please, if you have Spotify, the biggest streaming network in the world, we are on there. There are podcasts on there. Search Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet as well as Twitter. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. And if you've enjoyed today's show, somehow, uh, and the pipe bomb that we just we've dropped, five stars or seven stars if you're in Japan. If you're Dave Melson, then thanks Dave for listening to us. Yeah. Uh, just don't hate on us. I would like to thank my panel first of all, Sarah Grief. Thank you very much. To David Tottenham. Thank you. Scott McLeod with that. Surprising people. You're welcome. Very well done. Yep, spot on there. Yep. To the MVEP, Kwaku Aji. Thank you very much. I have been Stephen Wilson, and this has been Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat. Again, listen to us next week when it's going to be trainees and train wrestlers. So from us, have a good one. Bye. Bye. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the f you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you're honking bag of d- tips you know what you should be doing you should be going online you should be subscribing you should be listening to the back catalogue of eat sleep suplex retweet whatever the fuck you're doing that's what you should be doing i don't care if it's your mum's birthday i don't care if she's feeling contractions get on it right now